Hi. Hi, friend. Hey, friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's so sunny. Literally what I was going to say. I was like, the sun is out. I am so happy. Grateful. Nothing can bring me down. Literally. Nothing. Our journey's in today. (laughs) Water off my back. Yeah, no, literally. I got out the station. I was like, oh, well. (laughs) Oh, God. I feel like London literally comes alive with the sun. It is the sexiest city. There is nothing like summertime London. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling active. Like, I don't want to be anywhere else. Nowhere. (laughs) Well, well, well. (laughs) But no, no, no. Great, great, great day. I'm really looking forward to... Yeah, just enjoying some sunshine. Are you going to that thing in Malta, the recess? Oh, the Malta one. I yeah. wish. I'm no. So <laughs> and you know I love Malta as well. I would um, go. Oh yeah, you've been. I loved it. Like and I would go again, but I was like especially for like to have like the black experience. Like to be in Malta with black people, I feel like I'm just would I'm be trying to incredible. if anyone has tickets that they want to sell, <laughs> DM me. Thank you. Yeah, DM Amanda. <laughs> okay so what are you reading at the moment what's going on in your life what's going on in my life not much Mm. not much i'm reading vince is it vincent van gogh that's his name Mm -hmm. a life in letters oh okay what do you call we we talked about this last week but what is the thing when other writers write reviews on the book what are they called you know i actually i actually don't know no but this one had a really funny blurb it said something like whatever it's called and it goes a literary masterpiece that would be worth reading even if his paintings were rubbish wow i just thought that was fun (laughs) but it's true because it's really just about like the effort that he put into Mm. his work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that was a very intense man wasn't it so intense Mm. like and then there's this story about how he became a painter Mm. apparently he used to i think he was trying to become a priest or clergyman and he was writing letters to his brother mm. and he was looking at his window at the night sky and he was like I need to show you this I need to somehow <laughs> communicate to you how beautiful this sky oh, is yeah and yeah he's and then started painting yeah that's and incredible yeah it's really good I think I had no idea about like his, the background of like him training to be a clergyman or whatever because I feel like having known that now like that makes so much sense because I feel like you can almost feel this like sense of devotion and mm. like religious fervor and like the way mm. from what I know about him that he approached art and like artistry and like yeah. all that kind of like very like devout you yeah exactly exactly that yeah and humble mm, yeah exactly yeah he mm. has this really nice line about mediocrity saying people look down on it but actually it it takes a lot even to be mediocre mm. um, and you have to pass through that to become great so he yeah. was like i'm not mad at it yeah <laughs> go van go that sounds great yeah go van go <laughs> that sounds great that sounds like a t-shirt yeah <laughs> um what are you reading how's Hi. your life my life is good you know <laughs> I... <laughs> get some sun on zipora <laughs> Honestly, I just become the sunniest person in the world. But yeah, no, life is good. I love um, your nails. Oh, thank you. Just like a boring French tip. No, I feel like I like, love it. I'm really, I'm so boring. I went to like the nail shop with Veronica, mm. friend, and she was getting like because it was her birthday and she was traveling. And she was getting these like gorgeous like long nails, <laughs> like so much like art. They literally took like two and a half really? hours or something. Yeah, and I was just into like, can I, can I Do have you know a white tip? And I'm like, can I have a thin French tip, please? <laughs> literally the most basic just the most basic bitch but you know it's reliable (laughs) i would call it reliable do you know what i mean because the thing is if i experiment and i don't like it now i have to look at this for like the next two three weeks and it's gonna make me unhappy yeah to be honest there's time for experimentation and there's time when it's just not in the mood exactly exactly but oh i've actually been reading and loving i had like you know when you have one of those experiences when you You've been reading kind of like meh books for a while. <laughs> Not like meh, but like, you know, you're reading. It's like, oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah. But like nothing is like kind of moving you, mm. touching you. Like mm. nothing is eliciting that like really visceral reaction when you read something like, mm. wow, this is incredible. And I finally had that again. Like, Tell us. This, and I'm so, oh, I was so happy about it. Um, It was, I've been reading this Haitian American writer called Edward Danticat. Mm. And so... 
I had read like a few of her short stories before, like just like in other collections. I like, feel you, like you've mentioned yeah, her before. Yeah, like, you know, when people were just like, oh, the great American short story writers of like whatever. Mm. And then I would always read like a few of her stories or like a story here and there in those collections. And I would always love them. And I was like, you know what? I need to like a whole collection. But I never came across any of her books. But then the other day I was like book shopping before work. Secondhand <laughs> bookstore in like on like Bond Street or something. And I literally came across it. That's that's like one fifty as well. One pound fifty in an Oxfam. Oh, I was. They didn't even know what they had. They didn't know what they had. Like when I said, I said mine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. But yeah, so it's like this short story collection called Crick Crack. Mm, That's a good name. Yeah, because it's also kind of like the call and response thing, apparently, in Mm. Haiti. Mm. Like, you know, when you're about to, like, when you're all gathered around a fire Mm. and you're about to tell a story Mm. and like it will be like a... Crick. Yeah, Crick. And then people will be like, Crack. And then that means, yeah, let's get the storytelling going. And it's just so good. The first story is kind of like about this couple who are writing each other letters that they're never going to send because essentially they've been separated by whatever kind of like civil unrest was happening in the country. And the guy has decided to try and make it to America, but like by boat. And he's on the boat, like writing in a notebook, like for his girlfriend. Mm. And then obviously she's back home. From Haiti. Haiti, wow. Yeah, the girlfriend's (laughs) in Haiti. And Mm. then he's like trying to like cross the, the sea, the ocean. Sorry, look, I'm not a geographer. So. <laughs> he tried to cross some water. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's trying to cross the body water, okay? <laughs> and they're sending each other letters. And it was just, like, so... It was honestly, like, devastating, so heartbreaking. Them just, like, going into, like, the circumstances that have kind of, like, led to this. And I know, especially, like, recently, with the whole kind of, like, refugee crisis, we do think about these things a bit more. Mm. But I think just, like, God, the human, like, experience of it... And the way that it's like laid out in that story and just, Mm. it was so heartbreaking. Mm. And it was the first story in the whole, like, whole collection. And when I say, like, I finished reading it and I put it down and I was just like, (laughs) I started sobbing. Really? I was like, I'm going to read more. (laughs) Yeah, literally, it was so good. So yeah, Crick Crack by Edward Danticat. Honestly, guys. Sounds really good. Go get it. And yeah. Go, just go get it so good but just a separate question before we move on to mm. the episode you know you said like you wanted to find a book that really moved you mm. obviously this is really a trauma, trauma, traumatic story mm. but are there any stories that have really moved you but that are not traumatic because I'm mm. really I want to read it but I'm not ready to read it mm. oh like in the collection no no just in your life or yes. in the collection if you have some yeah 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 I like, think so hmm I'm asking for me <laughs> I really like short stories by, and well, like this specific short story by Tony Cade Bambara, who mm. was also like, a, I think she was Black American though. And she has one. She did a lot of like stories about like inner city Black children living kind of like in New York. But she has this story called, yeah, so I guess it's like 70s, 80s, mm. a story called The Lesson about, mm. like, a group of inner-city black children who get to go to, like, I think it's not Saks Fifth Avenue, but it's, like, a toy store on Fifth Avenue. Mm. And they're just, like, exposed to all this, like, wealth that they never knew even existed in the world. And it's mm. just kind of, like, this, like, awakening for them to, like, the injustices that are working on their lives without them wow. even realising it. Love so, it. yeah. I mean, that was not traumatic, but it's, like, very, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's also good because the protagonist comes away from it not being like, wow, I'm being so disenfranchised in this life. Instead, she comes out of it and she's like, you guys aren't going to keep doing this to me. Doing what? Keeping me down? Yeah, you guys aren't going to keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, she comes, she's like, yeah, okay, great. This sense today. I'm going to get mine. Yeah, no, literally, <laughs> I'm leaving with some. <laughs> I'm going to run away. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but yeah, that was incredible. Shout out Edward Santica. Okay, thanks for two recommendations. Yeah, you know me. I'm always good for a short story. Crack, 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 <laughs> yeah. crack, crack. crack. <laughs> hey, so this episode we're gonna be talking about something a little messy. no I'm kidding it's actually not messy challenging yeah (laughs) important yeah challenging but important yeah this episode we're going to be talking about something challenging but I think important we're going to be talking about essentially 
problematic faves or problematic ex faves. Yeah. Oh, or should they be your ex faves? Yeah. And that that whole thing of separating the art from the artist and exactly should we can we should we even be trying to yeah etc 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 so I feel like especially in the past decade or so with particularly kind of the rise of social media and the increased access we have to not just celebrities now so like even to writers themselves I feel like back in the day it was cool for writers to be like mysterious and mm. like mystique like oh who who is she how do like, they live what do they write what do they do you're literally just like living in like the Scottish Highlands somewhere mm. writing in the mist but like these days, I feel like that air of mystery isn't really there anymore. Like especially with social media, like that's just kind of been stripped away because now everyone can just kind of share their thoughts and their feelings and their opinions, of course, online in real time, unfiltered and unedited. And that's been a blessing and a curse, I feel like. And at the worst, it's kind of like exposed some people who we could have considered as heroes for mm. maybe something else. Mm. And I feel like, honestly, like at best, actually, what is the best thing that's come out of social media? <laughs> for I mean, like famous people, tell me. For famous people? Yeah. Money. No, but like for famous people being active on social media. Money. Other than that, though, like what do they gain? If I was famous, I, I wouldn't attention. have social media I guess, at all. I guess attention. I think, oh, I think people oh like attention. But I think I just want attention from... <clears throat> you know, the people that I want it from, but from mm. everybody. Yeah. And it's like, why is it now that people don't care whether the, ten- the attention they're receiving is negative or positive? I think when you're a celebrity, most of it is positive. Mm. And there's like a few, like 10% of people are trolling you mm, mm-hmm. and you tend to focus on them. But mm. actually, I think, imagine you post a picture, a million people like it, a thousand people like, gorgeous, stunning. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'd give my left toe to marry you. <laughs> and I think it must be a nice feeling, mm. I imagine. Mm. But that's it. Otherwise, I think that would get old for most people. I don't know, attention and attention and money. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> I know. <laughs> money and attention. I think when it goes bad, though, I think they can admit it's not worth it Mm, yeah it's not worth it I don't think it's worth it there's so many celebrities who I'm like you just shouldn't be on social media like you just shouldn't be here you know you're losing money (laughs) yeah no (laughs) literally (laughs) okay so kind of like with that being said who comes to mind kind of like when you think of a problematic fave this is a safe space this is the safest of spaces (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because I already know what you're going to say yeah I mean it's J.K. Rowling isn't yeah. it yeah J.K. Rowling mm, and that's I feel like the biggest one I don't think I've ever personally for me felt disappointment like I did with J.K. Rowling it's the way she doubles down it's the double down for me it's the double down for me because this is I feel like and this is something that we always talk about in terms of like when we discuss this whole you know, separating art from the artist and, like, should we still enjoy um, things from people that are maybe a bit questionable now? And it's this thing of, like, nobody's perfect. Mm. Like, none of us are the most learned and, like, the most educated about absolutely everything that there is there in the world. Mm. And I know that, you know, we all have unconscious biases. We all have, I don't know maybe even ill-formed opinions. But I feel like the problem is for me is not in her like having them and expressing them because you know what happens to the best of us. But it's in like when someone then comes to you and it's like, hey, that was, that was kind of messed up. And here is why. And like your first reaction is to just kind of be like, no. Yeah, and I think that if if you're operating on a public forum, Mm. I think that you do have a responsibility to be more thoughtful mm. and more considered. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I have, to be honest, I haven't gone into the background and into what's happened with J.K. Rowling and the trans community in <coughs> enough detail. Mm. But yeah, it just seems like whenever I do, whenever the the mess, the kind of tweets come up, it just, it doesn't sound like a discourse. It mm. just sounds like you're wrong. Mm. You're mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. Like it, it so like you're wrong and you guys are attacking me yeah and it's such a sensitive topic <clears throat> mm-hmm. that it doesn't 
I'm not respecting the way that she's going about it, but... And I think, like, even just to, like, provide some extra context, like, go back to, like, the very beginning, the tweet that set, like, all of this off was she was responding to an article that someone else had written entirely, and I think they had said something about... But essentially, they referred to people who menstruate. Right. Okay. It was like, oh yeah, blah, blah blah. So people who menstruate, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then so she was just kind of like, hmm, isn't there a word for this? People who menstruate? What was the word? Wombmen? Woodmen? Oh. Women? Oh. Right? Is that what she did? Yeah. And then so everyone is just kind of like, okay, cool. That's um, unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, for real. Okay, cool. So, like, first off. <laughs> Mind your business. Yeah, and I feel like at the very beginning, especially because a lot of her fans, she has a lot of like queer fans, like a lot of people who gravitated towards Harry Potter yeah. because they felt different all yeah. their lives. Yeah. And they also felt like there was something special about them or something different about them mm. that made them special, mm. you know? So it's like, it appeals to this like subsect of people. And then now, years and years later, when people have like grown up with it, there's people that have formed their entire personalities oh, on Harry you're, you're Potter. You're looking at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> She's a Gryffindor. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. Sorry, I'm a Ravenclaw with a Slytherin rising. <laughs> okay. I feel that I feel like my rising is Ravenclaw. Yeah, <laughs> a Gryffindor with a Ravenclaw rising. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I feel that for you. <laughs> Thanks. No, but even as we talk about these things, I really do feel like Harry Potter is has become a part of our culture. Mm, it's it's bigger than her. It, it's bigger than her, and I guess the question is. You know, when people make something that is very valuable mm. for whatever reason, mm. should they still be benefiting from the profits mm. if they start to behave in a way that morally we as a society think is not good? Yeah. And even like less like should they benefit, but it's like should I personally yeah. support this like with my coin, my money, my, you know, whatever yeah. else. Yeah. But I think the personal question is a lot easier because, you know, we mm. can stop buying her books, but mm. it's not even about her. We can stop buying the books of someone who does things that are mor morally bankrupt. They'd probably be fine. Mm. Like, actually, even going back to her thing, the problem is that it feels like people don't really care mm. about what she's done because it's not affecting her. Mm. Like, I think there was one time she's not. It's not affecting her at all. And I think that shows how people feel about the topic, mm. about the trans issue. It just felt like... I don't know, like, water off people's back. And also, I feel like she also, a large reason why, like, it hasn't really had that much blowback outside of kind of, like, certain circles and, like, certain groups, like, as we're saying, who are, like, more vocal about it online. But I feel like in real life, like, when it comes to, like, real life consequences, I suppose, like, I don't really see any of that. Which isn't to say, I'm not saying, like, burn the witch. Like, yeah. you know. No, like, no, or, like you said people have ill-formed opinions yeah and that's that's it mm -hmm. but it's really just the the way that those opinions get talked about especially in public when yeah. there's people who are so happy that you're speaking this way about trans people mm. and you just have to be especially if they're a community that is always facing <coughs> attack yeah which is what i was gonna say like i feel like it's because a lot of people actually agree with her in real life People like when, found legs to stand on exactly, after she spoke. Exactly, exactly. People found to like podcast topics. You know, there's a whole. You know how she did the whole podcast, right? The no. witch trials of J.K. Rowling. No. The witch trials of J.K. Rowling. I said, ma'am, no one is trying to burn you at the stake. She made that podcast. I think it's like a journalist who oh. wrote a letter to her, like okay. reached out and was like, oh, I'm researching this and I would love a chance to like speak to you about it. Yeah. And then she was like, yeah, absolutely. And invited her all the way up to like her house in Edinburgh, sat down with her. They had like a long conversation about everything, like from oh. the very beginning of okay. like her life all the way up until I suppose this whole kerfuffle. Yeah. I haven't like finished reading it because I... I'm reading it, sorry. I haven't been, I haven't listened to it. I think I listened to like the first the first episode, like halfway through. Yeah. And I was just like, they were like they were they were like literally painting it like as a witch trial. Like people are trying to 
burn this woman at the stake. But what I found interesting is when they were contrasting it with how, like, at the very beginning when it came out, do you remember when people used to say that this woman was, like, a Satanist? No. Yeah. I mean, like, I know that my some of my yeah, like aunties they were who banning were like, Harry in the Potter. Church, like, you can't what you can't watch Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. And you know that was more widespread than you think. It wasn't just our African aunties and mothers <laughs> and churches. You know, like <laughs> the white people were doing it too. They were also like, "This <laughs> witchcraft. This is ungodly." Like, and they were like, they were trying to cancel her book. Harry Potter is, is still one of the most cancelled banned really? books. Yeah, banned books of all time. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like just from the onset so they were kind of like drawing on that experience from when it first came out to like now how it's almost like the complete opposite like group of people is now quote-unquote attacking her or calling for like her censorship yeah as they kept saying and how like there was this they were essentially kind of painting it out as like there's just been like this decades long vendetta against like JK mm. Rowling and mm. then now it's just like a different group um, stepping up to yeah. the plate yeah which I was like fair enough and also I realised is maybe the reason why she does double down because mm. she's thought I've been through this before yeah exactly I've seen your time yeah she said you guys have been trying to break me down <laughs> since 94 okay (laughs) since 94 I've done this before and I guess like especially in the beginning like doubling down on like her thoughts and her opinions and how Mm. she felt about it is how she managed to like you know push through and obviously get this series like out there into the world and I get how that was like of merit back then but I feel like to do it now when it's coming from like a group of people I feel like the dynamics the power dynamics are completely different Mm. When it's like the Catholic Church who's trying to ban your book because they think it's promoting witchcraft versus a subsect of people who have supported you your whole career and really don't have that much like power in terms of like societally. Mm. Like those are not the same thing. Exactly. And your reaction to those shouldn't be the same thing either. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's where for me, I'm like, it's just like obtuse. And I'm like, I expect better. I did. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I was surprised and disappointed. But there, yeah. there, there she goes. And I feel like some people are so scared of being wrong. Like, people are so scared of being wrong. As in her, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's re- I don't see how being wrong is worse than... Being actually wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, as in, like, seeing, coming across like yeah. you're wrong mm-hmm. than actually doing something that is, I don't know. But yeah, exactly. I guess to her, she doesn't think she's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. No, she doesn't think she's wrong. What about you? Who comes to mind when you think of problematic faves? Yeah, I'm going to talk about one that, <laughs> that I think is actually on the opposite scale to J.K. Rowling because, mm-hmm. like, you normally talk about J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, as you're saying. That is something, Harry Potter is like something that's bigger than like J.K. Rowling as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Like if I want to sit down on Christmas, at Christmas and watch Harry Potter, I'm going to do it. And that's also the point of so many people are involved. Exactly. Everybody can't yeah. be cancelled. Yeah, maybe I'm watching for Daniel Radcliffe, okay? Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? To be honest, even if none of those people are involved, I do think there's a lot of value in what she has created. Yeah. Or at least I have taken a lot of value from what she created. It was my childhood. And, you know, funnily enough, my little brother, who was 10 years younger than me, so he's like Gen Z, is always... That is, like, one of his favourite things. Really? Like, making fun of us millennials and about, like, Harry Potter. Hater! (laughs) One day he literally had to sit me down and he was like, why do you guys love Harry Potter so much? (laughs) He was like, you guys are, like, 30. I was like, ow. What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so... On the opposite spectrum to J.K. Rowling, whose work stands on its own and you know, is inextricable from so many people's lives mm. at this point, who I think of when I really think of like problematic faves or like someone who really broke my heart is Juno Diaz. You know, I never heard of him. I know. You know, and that <laughs> it's because <sighs> he messed up. No, okay, no, that sounds very frivolous. He didn't mess up. He he he's an abuser. <laughs> so he he didn't mess up. He's <sighs> he's an abuser. And that's that. 
But like, I remember when I first started out and like kind of my trying to like read wider. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. more widely than just what was offered to me in school and mm. like what I'd learned about in class and stuff like that. And trying to read things that like appeal to me more. He was like the first male author that I feel like I really kind of enjoyed and connected with. And I know, like, you hate the title of this book, but, like, this is how you lose her still to this day. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes. You can't see me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you bought that. I bought that. I love that. And I bought it for people. It's such <laughs> a... Sorry, y'all. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good collection of stories. Is it good? It's so good. Seriously. This is how you lose her. Mm-hmm. Just sounds like... You know when men say things like, I don't want to do this because I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's giving... I mean, yeah, it was like massive F-boy vibes. It's like about this Dominican man living in New York and basically like cheating on his girlfriend. Those are the vibes. Mm-hmm. But there was something so, to me, I felt like honest and just like unapologetic about mm. it. And I was like, I remember reading it and being like, wow, this is actually... This is good. I was like, yeah, this is good. And also, this is how men are. <laughs> As in a, good, a really accurate... I was like, okay. Huh. But, and he writes well? Yeah, he writes well. He, mm. he writes really well, actually. He was, he was like, for a while there, like a little darling of the literary scene. A darling, you know. Can you imagine me calling a 50-year-old man a darling? <laughs> Is he 50? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's been around the block. Yeah, he's been okay, around for, okay. like, a very, very long time. And he won a Pulitzer. Wow. Honestly, I had not heard of him until you mentioned him in the last season. Yeah. Yeah. So basically in the last season, we had this like a book request question, a book recommendation question. And I was going to recommend a Gino Diaz book. And then I looked, I think I looked him up. I just thought, let me just Google him. And then literally it was just me too. <laughs> just like, in my, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's been up to. Is he still writing? No. <laughs> testimonies maybe but like but wait so wait are those yeah is he, is he going to jail has he been convicted or I honestly like what is the story because I remember someone saying that it, it had none of it had been proven or something what were they saying mm. I don't know but it's like did he just like say nothing and then it's just kind of gone away has he had to face any of this? That's what I'm asking. Has he had so, to face any of it? Oh, like, not in court or anything. It was just, like, you know, around that time when women were being more open and more vocal about kind of, like, the abuse, the sexual abuse that they were suffering, like, in their various yeah. industries, right? So there's, like, a few writers that came out and were kind of like, yeah, this guy, like, I, like abused me, either sexually or verbally. Mm. One of them actually being Carmen Machado. Sorry, Carmen Maria Machado. Not Carmen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? And Zinzi Clemens. And because he's like he's afro-latina so he was kind of like especially at the time like a mentor for like a lot of like up-and-coming black latina afro-latina writers mm. especially because i feel like being from his background like once again like inner city new york and wherever else there wasn't many people mm. who looked like him that were getting the same amount of recognition yeah. and like acclaim yeah a Pulitzer is huge yeah exactly and so you would have like younger writers coming up like under him like reaching out for mentorship reaching out for help and yeah apparently he was just yeah yeah sexual misbehavior and I was just like oh, damn yeah well I was rooting for you I was rooting for we you. We all were. Yeah, we were all rooting for you. Well, no, not you. <laughs> you made your feelings very clear. But like, honestly, I feel like if you read it, there's a few in there that you'd actually I mean, like. I didn't get a chance to root for him because I didn't, hadn't yeah, heard true. of him. Yeah, true. And to be fair, so I bring this up to say, when someone is kind of like not as prolific as J.K. Rowling and that like the work hasn't, doesn't have a life of its own it hasn't like moved several degrees away from like its author so like now for example like if i buy a juno diaz book i am 100 percent putting money straight into his pocket you know so it's like in those instances then how do we yeah how do we maneuver that how do we I don't think there is a way out because even with the J.K. Rowling example, even though she is, you know, Harry Potter is bigger than her, she's still making money. Like, every move we make towards Harry Potter is (laughs) 
Yeah, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want to focus on Juno or JK, mm. but it's more like, yeah, when people make these things, and if we, because like you said, individually we could all just say it's very easy. I'm mm. not going to do it, mm. but it doesn't matter if it's just two of us. Mm. But it's really about collectively if we all decide that actually this person has created something that's very valuable, but should they be profiting off off of it? Mm. Is a second part of the question, and mm. I feel like we don't have a sophisticated approach to it. Because I feel like if someone creates something useful, we should still be able to use it. Mm-hmm. But there should be a mechanism to say, well, the profits for this are actually going to go to charity because mm. as a society, we don't condone this behaviour. Mm. So, But I mean, can we, can we... How would we enforce that? We can't enforce that. No, but I think that is... That's what I think. I think it's like an imaginative thing. I think even all the laws that we have are part of like our imagination as a society and what mm. we think is good and what we think is bad. Mm. And I just don't feel like we've got to a place where we, yeah, we know how to deal with that because it does feel dark. Like if we put money into R. Kelly's pocket, it's mm. very confusing mm. behavior mm. As, like, as a group of, of people. So yeah, I feel like there needs to be, but even that sounds really like radical to say, like if someone works hard and produces something, you know, they should get the money for it. But if you're doing things Mm. that we as a society do not support, Mm. I feel like there needs to be a way to say, you have created something that's good here and we can't deny it. Mm -hmm. But you shouldn't profit from this. Mm. Like if someone created a cure for cancer, but they're a murderer, they're going to jail. Mm -hmm. But we're taking that cure. (laughs) (laughs) But we're taking the cure. Okay, so this is just has me kind of wondering or like thinking about the level of morality that we ascribe to these public figures that at the end of the day haven't actually done anything to earn it. Like what is it really that these people have done that have led us to feel like you are a good person and I only expect good things from you? Write a book. There's nothing inherently good about that. <laughs> Girl, I don't know. Honestly. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't think it's about whether we need to expect goodness from them because when they do good, we're like, good. When mm. they do bad, we're like, you know, why are you doing that? Yeah. But no, not even like expecting goodness, but more kind of like when they do something bad, being so shocked as if it's like, <gasps> like, Jay, what? Jacqueline, how dare you? I think that's what it is. It's like if if they've created something that has brought so much goodness into your life, Mm. you are surprised that someone who, like, it's like, you know that, there's a quote in the, I shouldn't call it a quote, the scripture, Mm -hmm. the Bible. (laughs) And it says like, it's in Matthews, that you you should know, you will know them by their fruit. Mm. It's like an apple tree produces Mm. apples. Like apple tree producing. Good apples. You're like, that's a good apple tree. But if it produces something else, like, I don't know, what's bad? A sour apple. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. It produces something that you don't... It's just like, I didn't... I thought you were an apple tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess it has something to do with just feeling like, this is so good, I could never imagine that you would have... I, I believe I can fly. I did not think that person who sang that song was going to be... <laughs> like, get that man out of here. <laughs> or even like That's the Cosby like... show. Like, people yeah. love the Cosby show. It's mm. so funny. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm. And yeah, you have such positive associations with it so when they do things that are yeah just so unacceptable Mm. it does feel very disparate from like what you have known from of them Mm -hmm. but yeah you're right people are people like what are they gonna and people are disappointing people are and that's like that's a small word for some of the things that we've been talking about but Mm -hmm. actually so with that being said do you believe in cancel culture? Like, do you think that cancel culture is a thing? I mean, I, I don't really think it is. Mm. I think it's, it is when people have done things that we completely agree with. Like, completely disagree in mass. with? No, disagree with in okay. mass. Like, mm-hmm. when, when all of us say, mm-hmm. yeah, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But when... I'm trying to think of when it... Like, like obviously, Jake around that she's not really cancelled. no. I don't think Gina Diaz is cancelled because I didn't even he didn't even come up on my radar as mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I don't I think he's people are still probably 
Did they do anything? Did the Pulitzer even... They didn't say anything. I mean, what are they going to say? Oh, yeah, no, he's still writing for the New York Times. Yeah, so... But then I think that Harvey Weinstein has been cancelled. I think that... What's the name? Cosby? Bill Cosby? I feel like mm. he's been... Ca- R. Kelly, cancelled. Is R. Kelly cancelled, though? Oh, Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby's in jail, at the very least. So... Oh, wait, I guess so is R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say R. Kelly's cancelled, you know. Why? People still play R. Kelly. People still play R. Kelly. I don't think they're the same. That's the thing, but what is being cancelled? Like, I don't think anyone is ever truly exactly. abandoned. Yeah. Exactly. No. That's my thing. Because yeah. I feel like when these things happen and then people talk online about kind of like making personal decisions to just you know not engage or like not interact with like certain artists or like certain art certain writers anymore and then people like oh cancel culture but how is that cancel culture yeah that's just me deciding what i want in my life and what i want to spend my time and my money on i think we're abusing the word because it's losing like its sense but it's also good but I, i don't feel like it's us i feel like it's the other people who are like oh why would you want to quote unquote cancel a person because they've done something that you don't like or like i feel like it more or less comes from the opposite side like not the people doing the quote unquote canceling yeah it comes from the other people who are like i'm still playing the star kelly yeah. like you know i'm not i'm not about yeah. that cancel culture stuff yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. when it's like i'm sorry what cancel culture you can still play R. Kelly, right? Then how yeah. is he cancelled? It's true. You can still go on Spotify right now, search that up. Yeah, I don't Step think in the name of love. Is, oh, I don't think cancel culture is genuine. I don't think it's genuine. Mm-hmm. But I do... It, I can't say that it doesn't affect people. Mm. Like, that I could never say. Mm. But in terms of being cancelled and that word meaning that, you know, it's over for you. Mm. No, like, like No. Yeah, like how many people have been quote unquote cancelled and have managed to like pivot in some way and maintain like an entirely lucrative career still. And there should be space for people to be forgiven and to atone. Mm -hmm. But if you're, but even those who aren't, they're still making this money. So I don't know. I think that's why it's really important to, it's definitely feels like an individual question, but then Mm -hmm. it also feels like an impossible question. Like we were talking about, Charles Dickens and how mm. you know apparently he was a racist and a yeah. misogynist and we can pull up a a backstory on loads of famous writers I was gonna say Dr. Seuss that killed did you, me what did, was, what did they say Dr. What? Seuss was an unrepentant racist <laughs> I <laughs> like, mean what I said yeah, like, I don't like the blacks un- <laughs> unrepentant or the Jews like he was bad no, and so anti-Semitic, so racist, so all of that. And then there was like little four-year-old me, like one fish, red fish. Oh, <laughs> like what? I guess the thing is this: I I'm always cons- trying to think about like what are the social implications for not really cancelling people. But it, mm. the second question is: should we? No, I don't think we should cancel people if people are regretful. Mm. But for people who aren't, I. Eh. But I feel like even then, like, there has to be obvious, apparent rehabilitation mm, from, like, and yes. a, you need to atone for what you've done. You need to be sorry. Mm. You need to apologize. Mm. And you need to change the way in which you behave. Mm. And I feel like in that case, then it's like, okay, cool. Yes, this person is trying. This person is learning. And this person is redeemable. But if all you're going to do is, like, double down... Or, for example, all you're going to do is brush under the rug. Or, for example, all you're going to do is... I don't know what the other example is going to be. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because... Well, <laughs> the point being, if that's all you're going to do, why should you be... Like, why should you be... Not, like, given a second chance, but, like... Yeah, given a second chance. Yeah, why should you be given a second chance, actually? But for, even for people who... So for people where cancel culture has tried mm. and failed... Chris Brown. Yeah. I needed to say it. I'm right. screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's been at the top of my tongue. <laughs> this whole entire uh, episode, especially since he just did his... How many dates was that? In London alone? Oh, was he in London? Yes. Did you not see? No, I've not been following. Oh my God. Every night on Instagram, on my stories, I was seeing someone at Chris Brown concert. Really? I was like, you guys are going to see Chris Brown? Yikes. But that's that's what I'm wondering. Like, so if people, if people are let off the hook, 
what does that mean for us as a society? What is that? Mm. Why is it important that we don't let people off the hook? I mean, one obvious one is like deterrence, like making sure people understand that you can't just do that Mm -hmm. and get away with it. Mm. But now that they're getting away with it, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like what does this mean for us? us? What does this mean for us? I think it makes people feel hopeless. It means we live in a morally bankrupt society. I don't know. I feel like I need to read like a big philosophical book about this. Yeah. I don't know. What would you recommend? What would you? Oh, actually, a good one to read would be, and it's been on my TBR for like a while. I think it's called The Trans Issue by Sean. I'm just going to make sure I remember her last name. Yeah, The Transgender Issue by Sean Fay. Yeah, that's been. So she is a, like a British UK journalist, I think. I think I have Writer, journalist. Yeah, it's been on my TBR for like quite a while. I remember I used to follow her on Twitter. Definitely learned a lot from her. So yeah, I think I finally need to pick this up and learn some more. Which is the other thing that was like annoying to me about like, you know, like JK Rowling. I'm like, you can't learn. Yeah. But the thing is, that's the thing. From what I understand, she believes that she has done the work mm. and that's why she feels that she's participating yeah. in this conversation. But it's such a difficult topic. From a place though. of knowledge. Yeah. It's so complicated. Like personally for me, I think it's like an issue that I'm constantly learning, unlearning. Mm. Um constantly interrogating constantly like trying to yeah be like more informed about because I feel like especially when it comes to like trans issues I feel like the ignorance is really where like the issue yeah that's really where the danger is yeah especially because I think so a lot of it is like a lot more complicated than what people really understand because I mean we're talking biology here Mm. how many of you even did biology a level not everybody you know, like, we're talking hormones. We're talking, like, things that, like, the average, like, kind of, like, everyday lay person isn't mm-hmm. just, like, out here, like, knowing. Mm. So I feel like that's why it's even the, that's why it's even more important to, like, make sure that before you open your mouth, you really know, like, what you're talking about because yeah. there's so much room for ignorance. Yeah. 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 And that's that on that. So now it's time for our book recommendation segment. Book recs. Yay. So this is a segment where we take in your book requests. You send us in a question about, I don't know, whatever you're in the mood to read. It can be weirdly specific. It can be very vague. Where was I going with that? We will find a book for you. Yeah, great. (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. Please take it away. Okay, so hello, my book agony aunt. I recently started a new project working with a dis- disability rights activist and DEI educator. Any good reads on the experience of the disabled, differently abled community? Question mark. Give me race and gender, and I have references for days. But on this topic, I ain't got shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be very forthcoming and say first off, same. Yeah, I'm not. This well one, read in this yeah this one stumped me but I feel like these are also my favorite like requests because I love the ones that like illuminate the gaps in my own reading mm, yeah because then I can kind of be like oh okay yeah oh I haven't got anything for that although actually I haven't read anything about that and then like let me look up and see Have but a please read. Amanda take <laughs> it away because I know you at least yeah because I've been thinking I've been thinking about this so one of the things that came up for me was Disability Visibility by Alice, was edited by Alice Wong. Mm. And it's a collection of short stories written in the first person, all from the perspective of disabled, differently abled people. So I think that is probably a good place to start. I would recommend Call Me Disabled, which is a podcast. Yes! Yeah, so Call Me Disabled by Poppy. And her podcast is essentially about the disabled experience and not shying away from these issues and facing them head on and talking about it. Yeah. So, and I think she's got like a couple of episodes out. Yeah. I was listening to one actually, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Someone was talking about how 
on one hand, they they feel powerful calling themselves disabled and calling it what it is. But then in some some days, they're not, because of what comes with the disability, the symptoms, mm. they're not happy identifying with them all the mm, time. Mm. And I just, feel, I just feel like that podcast is a really good shout, actually, because yeah. it really is covering a lot of complexity, right, from, yeah, people who are better placed exactly. to speak about it. Exactly. Like, I think this is, like, a topic that's better addressed by, you know, the people who live this every day of their lives. So, yeah, definitely listen to Call Me Disabled by Poppy Field everywhere you get your podcasts. So now we're at the end of the episode and we're going to talk about takeaways. This has been like, I think, a really interesting conversation. I feel like it's been kind of hard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think my takeaway is literally that because I found this conversation so challenging, it for me shows how much ignorance I have around the topic. Mm, And mm. even when cancel culture topics come along, I'm kind of just like, yeah, sure, cancelled. Okay, cool, won't listen to that again. But I haven't never really interrogated Mm. the topic enough, which is why I honestly found it really hard to talk about today. Mm, mm. So that's what I'm taking away. Go and stop being ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I think it is so important to like, when you talk about things, right? Because I think you're right, a lot of this, these conversations happen online and so you're like reading it on your phone or like you're reading it whatever and but like, snippets of it not yeah. even like the full I didn't really understand what happened with JK Rowling yeah it was just like bits and pieces <laughs> yeah. but it's like when you actually sit down and talk about it in like real life you realize that like you have your own thoughts to kind of like pass through your own feelings and how you feel about certain things and it's hard and I feel like that's when you realize it's so much more than just kind of like saying something online or just kind of like being like oh yeah I won't listen to blah 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 anymore like it's actually about where you stand also morally like as a person yeah and like your integrity yeah I think and and when we say it's hard we don't mean it's hard if someone does something that is unacceptable it's not hard to get to cancel them Mm. it's just hard to I'm saying it's hard to know how to express yourself on these topics when you're not and I think people are scared to talk about these things which is what I think makes it even worse because the less you talk about it kind of like the less opportunity you have to learn yeah or maybe unlearn yeah and I think it's also hard when you feel like you're certain that Mm -hmm. someone has done something wrong Mm -hmm. but you're also certain that you really enjoy Mm -hmm. the art that they produce Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is what is difficult and I don't think that there's an answer to should you listen to that person or not mm-hmm. i think that's a personal like you said where you stand session. on that is up mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and how you justify that to yourself mm-hmm. it's up to you yeah i completely agree like i don't think there's ever like a definitive answer like i feel like it's so complex it's so nuanced and it's one of those things that i feel like as a society we instead of kind of like looking away from or like shying away we need to keep, like, addressing kind of, like, head-on. Yeah. And obviously, we're never going to agree 100% on, like, everything. Yeah. And there's always going to be differences in opinions. Yeah. But I just think it's so important to, like, continue to talk about things. Yeah. We can definitely say that. And I also think my other takeaway, actually, is that just cancel culture doesn't exist. And I want, like, people to stop saying it. Yes, please. (laughs) Please. Please. Let, no, you know what? If you want to keep saying so, Yeah, like you're taking a piss. <laughs> no, but like if you want because they're like, go on then, yeah. cancel me. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> no, because I like I get annoyed, yeah, because I feel like there's actually people out there that I'm like, you actually should be cancelled. You should be, okay? <laughs> but you're not. And yet, we're out here talking about like, oh, you know, all the young people want to do these days is just cancel everyone for not like agreeing with them or blah, blah. I'm like, who's cancelled? Give me a name. None of them. Who? I can't name one. But the only ones that are cancelled are dead. Yeah, I mean, like, because I actually, this is the question, like Harvey Weinstein, okay, he's in prison, but is he still making money from the things that he's, I don't even know how it works. And that's why I'm saying this whole, like, we need to address the the financial situation. Yeah, well, like, we need some clarity here. Yeah, right? Yeah, well. But I mean, I mean, that's the other thing as well, though. I feel like there's the whole thing about there being, like, no ethical consumption, right, under capitalism. So what are you going to do? 
What are you actually going to do? Because I feel like we're always... Obviously, this is nothing about consumption because we're talking about books, but like I feel like it feeds into it, but right? We like, consume books. Yeah, true. <laughs> we consume books. Yeah. There is no ethical consumption of books. Yeah. <gasps> oh, God. But yeah. <laughs> There's no ethical consumption. Oh, but there under is. capitalism. No, no, there isn't. You don't think so? No. Like in terms of like in a capitalist society with yeah. like capitalist yeah, like, like uh, supply yeah. chains yeah. and like I think all that's that a good kind way of to thing. End it. Yeah. That's like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because yeah. there really isn't. Yeah. Like you can be like, oh, yeah, fair trade cocoa. Okay. But the guy in Ghana is. It's cat. Yeah, exactly. Getting paid 2p a day, you know? So, like, you might be over here being like, oh, yeah, like, I've done a good thing. I bought fair trade, like, chocolate instead of, like, buying, like, you know, yeah. Nestle. And, but... Yeah. But is you. That's the takeaway, guys. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. <laughs> try your best. Yeah, just, just try your best. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We hope we gave you some food for thought at the very least. At the least. At the <laughs> very least. Join us next week for something actually a lot more fun. Yeah. We will be discussing millennial fiction with Ore, the writer of The Three of Us. Yes, we will be joined by Ore Gladje Williams, which we're so excited about. Um, we'll be talking about her new novel, Amanda said, The Three of Us, and also just millennial fiction in general. You can't wait. Yeah, I, I can't wait. That's going to be a great one. Yeah. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at the Stack Pod. Please join our book community. We'll be sharing our reading list and snippets from the podcast, the Stack Pod. Also, please send us your book requests. DM us personally or at the Stack Pod. You can follow me, Amanda, at Amanda Afwa. Me, Zabora, at Black and Bound. This has been Stacked, and remember, people, pick up a book. Learn some today. <laughs> Yeah, if this episode has taught us anything. Oh! <laughs> gotta pick up a book. Listen, Sean Faye, my money's coming your way. <laughs> we're saying pick up a book, but we're saying to ourselves, <laughs> I'm talking to me. <laughs>